Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristIsLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning. Hey, uh, we're going we're gonna to be reading some scripture together, so why don't we turn the house lights up a little bit so y'all can follow along. Good idea? There it is. Oh, there it is. Oh, look who's sitting next to you. Whoa, turn the lights back down. <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Ken, there's no one sitting next to you. Is there anything we should talk about here, brother? <laughs> Uh, my name is Randy Stewart. I'm uh, part of the team around here. I'm in charge of all things beautiful. So if you look at it and you say, my goodness sakes, that's beautiful. I did that. <laughs> Would you do me a favor? Turn, turn to John chapter 15. We're going to read uh, the first uh, eight verses or so, and then we'll get going. John chapter 15, first eight verses. Here we go. Bring it up on your phone. Bring it up on your pad. Open your Bible. There it is. I am the true vine. and My father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Now remain in me. I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like the branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and they're burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Father, we just pause right now for just a moment. We open our hearts to your word. We invite you by your spirit to cut us deep with your word. Bring about in us not just a a learning of things, but bring about in us a transformation. We want our lives changed. And so we invite you, Lord, during this hour, help the guy preaching that he doesn't get all tongue-tied and help the people listening that they hear what is true. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. We We have been for the last few weeks, actually most of the summer, we have been through just a fantastic study of the Gospel of John. It is. Have you enjoyed it? Have you enjoyed it? Anybody out there? I mean, it has been good. 
it has been good. I had a sister come on up to me uh, two, three weeks ago, and she just stopped me, and she says, I don't know whose idea it was that we go through the Gospel of John, but she said, I was raised on the Gospel of John. So that, that was the entry point for me in my journey. So this has been absolutely delightful. I got to tell you, many people have commented on how good it is, not only that we crack the book open here and preach from it, but that we're able to go home and follow along and study through. Ah, God's word is so rich. It is so rich, and we're learning so much. It's just great. This, this has been a fantastic study, and, I, and we're going to be looking at John chapter 15 primarily. That's what's going to be in front of us. But I want you to see what couches this chapter. Uh, we're not going to go through a big review, but I want you to take note what's on the front end of it and what's on the back end of it. On the front end, when we looked at John chapter 13 and 14, oh my goodness sakes, the the disciples were with Jesus in the upper room. That speaks of intimacy. The disciples were there with Jesus. It was just, it's just us. It's just us. We're in there. There we are. And what was going on in that time? I mean, Jesus gets up in the middle of dinner and he washes the disciples' feet. And then he, reve- he reveals to the disciples that he knows who's going to betray him. He establishes, with his disciples, he establishes the new commandment, the commandment that would mark a movement, the commandment that would mark, mark a community, the, the commandment that would mark the gospel. That commandment was, listen, guys, we're going to love each other. We're going to love each other is what we're going to do. And everybody's going to know this gospel is a real deal because they're going to see us loving each other. He established that commandment, the commandment that endures to this day, that marks us as the people of God. The fact that we love one another. Do we love God? Yeah, we do. But we love one another. He goes on and he tells Peter, you're going to deny me, bud. And Peter goes, no, uh, no, 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 uh uh-uh, no. Jesus said, yeah, you're going to deny me. Three times you'll deny me. What is going on in this little intimate gathering? And then he says to him, don't be troubled. Don't worry about this. Don't be troubled. I'm going and, and, and when I go, I'll prepare a place for you. One of the disciples goes, where, where are you going? Where are you going? And Jesus utters those words that we're so familiar with. He says, he says guys, 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 I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm the life. No one's going to get to the Father except by me. And then, then the guys just say, well, listen, Jesus, show us the Father. And we'll be satisfied. And Jesus says, you've seen me. You've seen the Father. Jesus goes on. He promises the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is, a, this is quite a dinner. This is quite a dinner they're having. But I also want you to notice what is at the back of this John chapter 15. In verse 18 of John chapter 15, you're going to have a statement like this. The world is going to hate you because it hates me and it hates my father. 
Here's the deal, guys. This whole teaching, this John 13 through 16, this is not taking place at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is not taking place during the days of popularity. These words were spoken in the latter time of Jesus' ministry, just before the days of crucifixion were to come upon him. And the disciples, the disciples had been hushed into silence. The disciples, they, they, had, they had questions, they had, they had concerns, they had objections. They were seeing huge challenges, they, difficulties, they were, they were perplexed. They were, they were puzzled. This was more than they could handle. This was too much. What is going on? And now, we bring our attention to chapter 15. The last verse of chapter 14 is kind of a transition from 13 and 14 into 15. Kind of moves us from one place to another. It simply says, arise, let's go. We're out of here. Here we go. This is real good, guys. The intimacy that we discover with God, the intimacy that we discover with one another, the richness of fellowship, the dynamic of worship, the, oh my goodness sakes, of being together. We're not supposed to stay here. We're not supposed to stay here. And so Jesus says, let's go, guys. Let's go on out. Let's go out from here. This union and intimacy that they are experiencing, it's flat out amazing. The benefit of it, the value of it, unbelievable. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says to the Ephesians uh, later on, he says, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The blessings are profound. They're, they're, they're unbelievable. They are, even as we sang, they are extravagant. They're beyond what our heads can get a hold of. And that should never be undervalued. That should never be dialed down. It's awesome, the value of these benefits. But we can't stay here. The miraculous union that Christ has opened up for us to share with one another and with Him and with the Father and with the Holy Spirit, that miraculous union has a great responsibility tied to it, associated with it. Jesus says, and this, this is interesting, don't, don't run by it. He says, I am the true vine. He doesn't just say, I am the vine. He says, I am the true vine. There was a widely recognizable, this is, this is very, I mean, we get this. If, if you're amongst the Jewish culture in Jesus' day, we get it. It's of common imagery. It's, 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 it's all through the Old Testament, Israel is referred to as God's vine. Israel was God's vine, but it never produced. I mean, you read it over and over again. You, you, can, read, you can read Psalm 80. 
You can read Isaiah. As a matter of fact, let's turn over to Isaiah chapter 5. You read, there's a couple portions in Isaiah. You can turn to Jeremiah and you read about this vine, but how this vine did not produce. You can turn to Hosea, Ezekiel. It is all through the Old Testament. The prophets speak time and time again that Israel is God's vine. But Israel's, but God's vine didn't produce. Let me read to you just a short portion of Isaiah chapter 5. If you can get there, get there. But don't worry about it. Let me read it to you. Listen to this. It starts with a song. It starts with, oh, this is awesome. Look at what's going on here. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up cleared out the stones and planted it, the choicest of vines. He built a watchtower in it. He cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for the crop of good grapes. But it only yielded bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem, you people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When, when I looked for good grapes, why did it only yield bad? Now I tell you what I'm going to do with my vineyard. I'll take away the hedges. It'll be destroyed. I'll break down the wall. It'll be trampled. If you had read any of those portions that I, that I had referred to, you would find basically the same thing. That God had planted the choicest of vines, that God's expectation was really good fruit, but when he went to get the fruit, nothing but bad fruit. And so he broke down the walls, took away the watchtower, and his vineyard was trampled under. Jesus comes on the scene and he says, okay, that day is over. Because I am the true vine, he says. No longer will this responsibility of fruit bearing go to a people. I will step into that. I am the true vine. And I'm telling you what, when Jesus steps into that, he is basically guaranteeing when the Father seeks the fruitfulness he so expects, he'll find it. Powerful passage. Jesus is the true vine. And there will be no failure. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, would do what Israel could not do. Then he goes on and he says, not only am I the true vine, but my father is the gardener. Once again, you see that relational intimacy, that partnership, that that, that knitting together of the life of the father and the life of the son. It is the father's responsibility to cut off branches or to prune other branches. Because the purpose, the purpose of all of this is fruitfulness. That is the purpose. As the true vine, Jesus came to fulfill the Father's purpose. Earlier in John chapter 5, Jesus said this, I can myself do nothing. I do not seek my own will, but I seek the will of the Father who sent me. The Father is the gardener. The Father is the one with the expectation. The Father is the one that will look for fruitfulness. And Jesus said, I am the true vine. As the true vine, Jesus came to bear the fruit of the Father's purpose. 
Fruit that would be healing for every man, every woman. Fruit that would build up what has been broken down. Fruit that would gather back what has been dispersed. Fruit that would satisfy the yearning of every soul. Through the bearing of his fruit, righteousness and truth would not merely arise, but righteousness and truth would prevail. Humanity would find a fulfillment to their existence, a purpose, a significance for living in the kingdom of God because he came and said, I am the true vine. Now let's continue to move through this passage where Jesus says, remain in me and I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. The intimacy that is continually shared in the Godhead, the intimacy between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is extended now. The life of the vine is now extended to the branch. The condition is always the condition of fruitfulness. I mean, what, what can we do? What can we do? Is there something we can do to make this fruitfulness happen? Actually, there is. Remain in me. That's the condition. There's your job description. All that is needed to bear this fruit that the Father is expecting is in the life of the vine. All of it, everything you're ever going to need is in Him. Your job? Abide. Abide in Him. Let Him abide in you. These two words, these two phrases are used over and over and over again. The phrase fruitfulness and the phrase remain in me. Some of our translations say abide in me. I'm good. I'm good either way. I'm good either way. But there they are over and over and over again. Look again at verse 5. You'll see the deal, the real deal of this. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, nothing. Nothing. Verse 6. If you don't remain in me, you're like those branches that are thrown away and wither, branches picked up, thrown into the fire. When Jesus is having this talk with his disciples, he's probably walking through the valley of Kidron. He's probably walking during a time he actually sees some fires over here where those branches that were not bearing fruit are gathered up and thrown into little campfires here and there and here and there as the people tend to the vineyards out in the valley. And so it is before us. Apart from me, Jesus says. Apart, please get this. This, this. Please get this. Please get this. Jesus is saying, apart from what you know, we're going to talk to a couple that 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 are missionaries in Japan. We're we're spending time with a young lady that's going to be a missionary in Honduras. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can't get it done. You can't get it. I want a good marriage. Jesus says, apart from me, Randy, you can't get it done. You cannot get it done. 
Because the life that you need, the grace that you need, the vision, the courage that you need, the vitality that you need is in the vine. Apart from me, there's no purpose. Oh, there's playing at purpose. There's pretending at purpose. How many of us could tell the story about how before we knew Christ, we had this, I mean, we had this relationship, we had, we had, we had this career, it was happening, everybody's talking about how we got it all together, but you and I knew we better keep the mask on because inside we were dying. And it was not until He came that we found purpose. There is, apart from Him, there is no impact. Apart, apart, apart from Him, there's no sense of design. There's no fulfilling of that design. Apart from Him, there's nothing. Severed from the vine, the branch has no hope of fruitfulness at all. Cannot bear the fruit of the Father's expectation cannot bear the fruit that the world so desperately awaits. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, is what he says. Unbelievable demonstration of the union that we have with Christ. So unbelievable that if we were to jump into Paul's writings, we would find the Apostle Paul talking about the church in terms like this. We are the body of Christ. What a union! We are the body of Christ. We are the very body of Christ. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says things like, we are the bride of Christ. What? This is a miraculous union. And it promises a fruitfulness that will fill the earth and glorify God. Verse 7 goes on, he says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Can I tell you something right now? I'm inviting myself over. Will you invite me on over? We need a cup of coffee and about 20 or 30 minutes just on this verse. This verse is unbelievable. I sat down with somebody in the office. Then I sat down with my wife. I said, how can I share this verse? I need another half hour just to camp on this verse. Can't do it. Invite me over. We'll talk it through. It's awesome. It's enough, even just take it for what it says. Just take it for what it says right there. We won't dig into it at all. Look at what it says. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done. Now, the only thing I want to point out about this, because I ain't got time to dig into this, is there is a very clear condition attached to ask anything you want. Go ahead, ask anything you want. And that is, remain in me. And let my words remain in you. I'm telling you what, when, we are, when we're in that relationship, when we are abiding in Him and receiving, acknowledging, welcoming His words to be in us, you ask anything you want. Ask anything you want. Because your life 
will be wrapped. Your life will be swallowed up. Your life will be consumed by his presence and his word. And you can ask anything if you're in that situation. My prayer life, I'm not picking on any of you. My prayer life is supposed to be more than my comfort. Jesus, I got a really sore back today. Would you come and comfort me? No, and if you're going to sore back, I think you should talk to Jesus about it. I'm not saying don't talk to him about it. But my prayer life is supposed to have impact. My prayer life is supposed to be tied to bearing much fruit. We go on and we find in verse 8 that this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Here is the intended issue. The intended issue of this whole thing, that through our fruitfulness, our lives as his disciples will be validated and the Father will be glorified. The Father will be acknowledged. The, the reputation of our God will come forth powerfully. This whole fruitfulness thing is tied to that. Abide in me and I abide in you. My words abide in you. This glorious union opens up to us the value, a value that can be hardly conceived. Access to God access to God's resources, access to his very presence and activity. That's what it means to abide. It is as if God is binding himself to my prayer. So, so, so Randy, Randy, ab abide in me. Let my word abide in you. Now I'm going to stand here and wait for you to ask whatever you want to ask, and I'll do it. It's as if the Lord has determined, has willed that I will partner with that goofball named Randy Stewart. If I can just get him to abide in me. You know, Julie and I have told you a hundred times, Julie and I are basically C-plus Christians. Now, I say Julie and I are C-plus Christians because when you balance out her A-plus with my, it comes out C-plus. And I'm standing with it. But the fact of the matter is, the God we serve, the Jesus we long to abide in, whose word is valuable to us, he is off the charts. It is not dependent on our self-evaluation or the evaluation that others set upon your life. It is only dependent on this. Abide in me. Let, let my word abide in you. And pray. Ask anything. And that's what it's tied to. The action of God is fruitfulness. The father oversees as the gardener. The son has presented himself as the true vine. And heaven's paraclete, the Holy Spirit, heaven's encourager, his, uh, heaven's equipper, comforter, teacher, heaven's guide. The Holy Spirit has come by his presence and activity to make this all 
possible. Now, I do want to hit the pause button a little bit here because I want to look at at a word. I want to do a little word study here. This word remain, this word abide, what does it actually mean? The Greek word is, is... is menate, all right? And you don't, you just use that if you're trying to impress somebody, like I just used it, hoping that you, and you don't seem, so I'll move on. Um, To abide, to abide, if I'm going to abide, if I'm going to abide, and remember, Jesus has said, Randy, abide, and he has said, I will abide, all right? So if I'm going to abide, it means to stay and enjoy the hospitality as if you were a welcomed guest. Now, I don't know what other people think about you, and I don't know what you think about you, but he welcomes you. He, he, he likes you. Your presence, your presence is what he desires. This word goes on and it has implied in the word a sense of maintaining, a sense of continuity, a sense of something continually going on. It means to be, it means it's not just passing through, it means lodging in. Let's maintain this. Let's stay in this. Let's continue in the presence and activity of this abiding. The idea of maintaining or sustaining emphasize is emphasized by the picture of the vine and the branches. The branch can't visit it and then go away and visit it and go away and visit it and go away. No, no, no. If the branch is going to be fruitful, it maintains, it sustains, it continues, it stays lodged. In the vine, Kenneth Weist, a Greek Greek scholar, looks at this word and he says this, abides means to maintain a living and vital communion. God doesn't want to visit you. He wants to inhabit you. God doesn't want you to visit him. He wants you to to inhabit him. He wants you to take up residence. He wants you to lodge there. This is an amazing reality. Verse 9 says, As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Abide in me, I will abide in you. Let my words abide in you. Abide in my love. Love is the commandment. Love is the mission. Love is the fruitfulness. It is the mark of the intimacy. And it's not just any kind of love. It's not, you know, I love my Cadillac. It's not that kind of love. I love these shoes. It's not that kind of love. It's even a greater love than I love my wife. It is a love that is willful, active, It is a love that is centered on the other, not on self. It is a love that is sacrificial. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. 
the keeping of his commandments is the mat, is a matter of faithfulness. It's a, it's a matter of fidelity. It's a matter of loyalty. This obedience is not just the raw, yes, sir, okay, if that's what you want, that's what I'll do. It's not that kind of obedience. It's the kind of obedience that is heartfelt and genuine. It's the kind of obedience that is a desire. It is the kind of obedience, what, what can I do for you? What can I am so, oh, please. Our obedience is rooted in his love. Verse 11, it speaks of a joy. Look at, look at that. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. In the midst of this text, we have a statement about a joyful people, an enthusiastic people. Uh, the kind of people that are like all in. I'm not standing on the edges here. I'm in. Those, those kind of people that, that, that testify and measure and keep in mind the abundance, the gains, the blessings. Not those who can continually count the failures, but those that measure the advance. And then Jesus reinforces this whole thing through 12 and 15 as he says the commandment of love, the selflessness, the other focus of practiced love. This, this, you guys are not my servants anymore. You guys are my friends. I want to be with you. A relationship founded in love. And then the verse that does me in every time I look at it because I know it's so true. You you didn't choose me. You, You didn't. So Julie and I had a Pinto 100 years ago, and we drove it around. We were brand-new Christians, and at the time, there was a bumper sticker out there that we got. So we put that bumper sticker on the back of our little Pinto. You knew it was our Pinto because it had a big dent in the back because I went around a corner and a car hit me. Anyway, anyway so we put the, and, the, and, and, the, and the bumper sticker said, I found it. And then one day, I was out there scraping this bumper sticker off the back of my Pinto. Julie says, what are you doing? I said, honey, I was thinking about this bumper sticker. I wasn't looking. How could I have found it? He was looking. He found me. I didn't find him. I didn't choose him. He chose me. And he chose me with a purpose to be fruitful, to be very, very fruitful. And then the conclusion of this passage, this is my commandment. This is it. This is my commandment. Michelle, if you are anywhere to be found, probably a good time to start playing music or I won't shut up. There's Mrs. Roberts right there. Guys, uh, he closes this whole passage by reminding us, never forget, never forget, this is my commandment. 
Love each other. Love each other. Now, guys, I want, I want, to, I want to talk to you about something as these guys are gearing up. Jane, if, if you've got your worship or your prayer team anywhere, just have them come on down. Not, if they could just come and stand here in front with me, I'd appreciate it. Just being honest, okay? Just being honest. Right in the middle of this passage is a statement. He says, I say all of this. I'm I'm bringing you all of this so that my joy, Jesus said, will be in you. And your joy will be complete. You and I both know life is hard sometimes. And many of us have experienced times when the joy is so gone, I don't ever know if it would ever, ever come back. Well, I'm here standing in the authority of God's word and standing solely in the calling wherewith he has called me to tell you it is God's will that you know his joy. And if there's something stealing that from you, today is the day we put an end to that. The only thing I'm asking, I'm not asking everybody here because some of you guys are in really good shape and I'm glad of it. But there are some of us whose joy has been so downtrodden, so beaten to the ground, we wonder if it was ever real when we had it. Well, I'm here to say it is real and it's back. Because Jesus, the true vine, who will succeed in this fruit-bearing thing. Jesus, the one who has said, I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to loose my word to abide in you. He's the one that said, I want you to have my joy. And I want your joy to be complete. So if you are amongst those whose joy has been stolen from you, and you're saying, today is the day I want it restored, I just want you to make your way to the front of the altar and let these people pray with you. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message, or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at Christ United MB. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.